Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCube realist. This show is a journey into all the media I have consumed. Why? Why would I do such a thing? Well, the theory that I'm working under is that if I don't discuss it with someone, it will sit in the dusty attic of my brain and slowly or not so slowly drive me insane. <laughs> So I pour it forth. I, I suppose there's the option of, you know, uh, telling the missus or friends and family, but uh, they probably don't want to hear about me playing Half-Life colon Opposing Force, for example. I suppose I could do it uh, in a blog or go on various Reddits and talk about it with others of like mind. However... That would involve interactions with other human beings. Whereas this, I record, I post, I have no idea what I said on previous episodes, and it's done. It's out of my mind. I'm out of my mind to do 539 plus episodes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to do this quick, although I say that often. We'll see how it goes. Monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the One Cut Lumber Mill. Thank you for that sponsorship for this movie monologue in which I only have one movie. Yeah, uh, I'm planning probably today, I'm thinking a, uh, a movie marathon of jorts. So, uh, you know, we'll, maybe we'll make up for it in episode 540. Uh, however, uh, just haven't been uh, watching a lot of movies uh, lately. Watched uh, with the Mrs. 1917. Yeah, uh, was uh, really in the mood for a war movie. I feel like I haven't seen a war movie in a long time. And this is the most recent one I could think of. And I remember hearing things good about it. Hearing things good about it is what I remember. Oh, God. Uh, at the time, came out in 2019. Let me read the IMDA. Uh, April 6th, 1917. Ah, the titular. <laughs> 1917. Uh, uh, as the regiment assembles to wage war deep in enemy territory, two soldiers are assigned to race against time to deliver a message that will stop 1,600 men from walking straight into a deadly trap. Uh, okay, so... Oh, shit. Didn't mean to push that. A little, uh, got a little excited with the buttons, apparently. <clears throat> So, is this based on a true story? And if so, why were not more people sent than just two? It seems a little odd, counterintuitive. And what about, this was the era of, <clears throat> um, what are they called? Carrier pigeons, right? 
message pigeons was was that not a thing oh you know what so the people uh the the, the people at the front could send pigeons back but you can't just send pigeons anywhere the the, the homing pigeons because they return home so yeah, you can't just send them to like oh, go find this person on this field. Okay, okay. So there's there, there's not pigeons. Let's let's remove pigeons from the equation. But sending two people seems mm, insufficient to save sixteen hundred men. Now, um, spoiler: one of them makes it uh, barely, and it is an exciting, terrifying, horrifying, uh, otherifying. Uh, journey which uh, this is sort of very much almost uh, uh d-esque in that it's a, a real quest it's got a feel of a real quest go here do this um <clears throat> along the way you're going to come across things that are going to try to kill you uh going to try to break you down and, and sometimes seemingly succeed uh definitely falls into and I feel like this hasn't come up in a while. Maybe it's because it's a war movie. Definitely falls into uh, the Sweaty Hands movie, movie where like shit will be happening on the screen, and you'll you'll just feel your hands like sweating and like have to rub them on your pants or whatever. Uh, if that makes sense, I, I think it. I think that does make sense, just because I know when it happens, and I have mentioned Sweaty Hands movies on the podcast more than once. Uh, so it, it it has to be a thing, right? <laughs> Am I alone in this? In this phenomenon? I don't think so. Um, Rating-wise, I think I could give it... Can I give it a 5 out of 5? Uh, I don't know if I can, just because I'm like comparing it in my head to other war movies that I uh, enjoyed more. Like your Saving Private Ryan's Apocalypse Now platoon like there's quite a few i enjoy more than this so you know what i'll go 4.79 for my convoluted rating of oh how about this 4.17 oh no 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 i wait wait 4.1917 huh yeah yeah final rating for 4.1917. You see what's going on here? Let me push another button. Moving along. Television Talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Loaves and Fishes. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, today we are talking uh, Season 3 of The Handmaid's Tale. Jesus Christ, this show. Speaking of uh, 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 friggin' uh, sweaty hands, this definitely has many sweaty hands moments. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with The Handmaid's Tale, where have you been? First of all, kind of cool that uh, being a Canadian, this is a, a, a television series based on a book by a Canadian author, so... They're also nice uh, that I liken it that like uh, can uh, Canadians are like the good guys, uh, people who uh, save uh, people uh, sort of an underground railroad up to Canada, saving the uh, the downtrodden, the, the the people who live in this Gilead, this uh, society that it's just fucked up. And one uh, I think one of the most fucked up things of this show is that quite often you can see the parallels to what is actually happening in the real world 
and it's not as if they're taking uh, existing things, I guess in some cases maybe, and cranking it up to, you know, a hundred. It's, it's like they're taking existing things and just tweaking them enough to be, uh, scary, <laughs> scarier. It's a very, it's almost a fine line with some of the things that happen in this, uh, on the note, um, or a similar or different note, forget about notes, uh, I think this season has been my favorite of all of them so far. Uh, they really kicked it up a few notches, and uh, I was just from episode one to episode, how many did we get? 13 was it? Yeah, sort of a weird number. Uh, to episode 13, just on the edge of my seat the whole time, uh, I think one of the things I love most of this show is you never really know what's going to happen. Like, you can take some guesses, uh, and, and this is something that has come up on the podcast a million times, the fact that I tend to give higher marks to things where uh, I don't know what's going to happen from one moment to the next, where I'm not able to predict what, what's going to happen, because quite often I am. And there's a, a certain sense of you know, feeling smart when you can guess, oh yeah, I bet you this is going to happen, and then it happens, and then, you know, you have that fleeting moment of, oh, okay, well, I was right. But uh, what I prefer is having that guess and then it not even being close to that at all, because then it feels like a, a surprise, and uh, you feel like you're watching something new and different, and, and this very much falls into this category. Uh, I, I think overall, jeez, like this is to me this is one of the best uh, seasons of television i left a long pause there for dramatic effect so i, I think i'm gonna go for handmaid's tale season three Jeez, I, I think i'd go like a six out of five a very very rare i don't hand those out willy-nilly six out of five Book banter. Today's book banter sponsor is the Fisbin Fire Service. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, if you're uh, following along, uh, which maybe a human exists who has followed along with the, this podcast, I doubt it. But if that's you, I love you. If you are following along, as I say, uh, you will know I'm working my way through a crap ton of uh, Dragonlance uh, novels. I uh, finished The Meetings Sextet and now uh, have completed book two of the Chronicles series, specifically Dragons of Winter Night. Is it Dragons of? Yeah, okay. Uh, I thought it was maybe The Dragons of Winter Night or Dragons of The Winter Night. No thes in there. Hmm. Couldn't afford a the? Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, co-authors. Eh? Uh, yeah, so uh, this is a, a series I am rereading, perhaps re-rereading. Uh, I can't actually remember. Um, definitely back in the day, these were books, uh, the uh, series, uh, Dragonlance books sort of as a whole, that uh, uh, got me through tough times and uh, uh, really, if you're going to escape into a world... Of literature, uh, I think 
the farthest you can go is quite often fantasy sci-fi too to uh, maybe a lesser degree but uh, I, I think that's where my love of fantasy comes in uh, using books as an escape from the the day-to-day um, is made easier when that escape is into a world of fantasy where crazy shit can happen uh, let me read the goodreads although i think i glanced at it and it wasn't too good <laughs> ironically uh they won their first battle in the war for crin which is like the name of the place they live uh but the war has only just begun for the companions friendships born in conflict will be torn apart hope will rest on the shoulders of a disgraced knight and his two inexperienced companions worlds long divided by hatred and prejudice will either band together in a last struggle against darkness or perish for all time uh, so this did something that uh, I like when fantasy does, and it's probably a trope, to be honest, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, where uh, a, a band of adventurers, uh, a, a group of uh, uh, heroes are split up uh, so that you can follow each of them and sort of jump back and forth. Um uh, I, I like when that happens. Now, you can get fractured to the degree where uh, it becomes less enjoyable. Uh, I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones, where uh, you're jumping around from, you know, dozens of different perspectives to the degree where it just becomes confusing and I don't care for it. Uh, it's the... Uh, this hasn't come up in a long time, actually, but uh, whenever there's a book, and this was something that Game of Thrones does, uh, where it has a glossary of names uh, and who they are, uh, that is a sign for me that this is not going to be a book that I'm going to enjoy. When you when you need a glossary of characters, <sighs> don't have that many characters. Is if you want to write a book for me, don't have which I know all you authors, that's exactly what you want to do is write a book specifically tailored to my wants and needs. Uh, rating wise of Dragons of Winter Night, I think uh, easy five and uh, did something in this that I didn't remember, so it was pretty shocking and a little upsetting. Uh, killed off one of the main characters, uh, I don't even know if I'll say who, uh, but just sort of wasn't expecting it didn't didn't remember that it happened and uh i will say it was my least favorite character uh, despite <laughs> that fact still very sort of a emotional thing to have happen and I, it, the strange thing is i i seem to remember this character in later books maybe i'm crazy maybe he comes back to life a world of magic anything can happen um you have a uh, tasselhoff burfoot um basically pivotal uh, yeah, I guess that's how you would say it. Pivotal to the saving of the world, which I, I love that when you take sort of a, a, a small... One of the reasons I, I... I don't know if that's one of the reasons, actually. Huh. Interesting. Uh, I was just going to say, whenever I play uh, Dungeons & Dragons, I sort of tend towards smaller uh, uh, characters, um, magic users, people who uh, you may overlook sort of thing. It's just as opposed to like big brutish like fighters and such. Um, and I'm just sort of positing that maybe it's because I like how, uh, like in a book like this, the, the small, seemingly sort of uh, insignificant, uh, not very powerful character is pivotal in basically saving uh, all the realms through, uh, through, through a small act. Small character, small act. 
uh, and yet very, very important. And, and, and I liked that. Uh, and, and I liked the, the, the sort of clear love that these characters have for one another. So it's a, it's a good read. Huh? Oh, wait, that doesn't make sense unless you know that I'm looking at the Goodreads uh, uh, page for this. Uh, now it's a, a hilarious joke, no doubt. Perfect. Game Gabin. Today's game, Gavin's sponsor, is the Fizbin Fire... Oh, shit. <laughs> that was the book man. The G-Man Briefcase. Thank you for that sponsorship. Uh, duh. Uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, sort of an interesting one. Um, Half-Life, if you are familiar with video games, uh, there's probably a strong possibility that you are uh, uh, familiar with the Half-Life series. Uh, this is a... I think it is a well, game of the year by... Okay, let me read the, the, the Steam. Maybe that'll tell us. Uh, Return to Black Mesa Research Facility is one of the military specialists assigned to eliminate Gordon Freeman. Uh, experiments an entirely new episode of single-player action. Meet fierce alien opponents and experiment with new weaponry. Named <laughs> Game of the Year by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. Wow came out in 1999 and uh uh like half-life games in general still holds up yeah it was uh, was a lot of fun revisiting this sort of world uh just from a, a different viewpoint if you're unfamiliar with half-life normally you are playing gordon freeman uh from his perspective uh with the exception of half-life alex which i reviewed uh, not too long ago uh maybe that's why i i sort of wanted to play this because i had so much fun in that game in that world that uh, I thought this would be cool, and uh, I will say uh, definitely it is. It it shows its age a little bit. Uh, I had a few, not too many. Uh, uh, the odd glitch, the odd. Uh, uh, it's it's always uh, in the form of uh, NPCs is usually where your glitches are going to come from. They hadn't quite figured that out a hundred percent. I think this may have been fan made. Like uh, I I I don't think it was made by. But then how are they selling it? Hmm. Or maybe it was made in Gary's Mod. Yeah, I, I don't know the whole story because I'm not a professional. And, uh, you know, I don't get paid to do this. <laughs> That's a hell of an attitude to have. Uh, Rating-wise, I've, I've played a few of these. The, there's one called Blue Shift. Yeah, I, I played that one. Uh, a few of these, like, uh, games that are, like, in the world of uh, Half-Life. And uh, I've, I've never had a bad experience um, I think I go like a solid four to four plus four to four plus for half-life opposing force. Um, you're sort of, uh, 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 what do you say? Um, with a band of, uh, fellow mercenaries who you sort of, uh, meet up with, uh, over the course of the game. It's not a long game. Like, uh, maybe it was like four hours, something like that. Um, you've got some puzzles, you've got some, uh, uh, different baddies than you will see in, um, your standard, uh, like original Half-Life. It's almost like they took them, uh, and then, uh, amped them up a little bit. One cool one in particular, 
uh, was these guys with uh, these guns, uh, aliens with guns, and then you would kill the aliens, and then the guns would turn into these like little head crab things um, that would you know jump at you like a head crab would. So that was, that was pretty cool, uh, a cool idea. Imagine just like in a video game, whoever came up with this is actually a very smart thing, where you kill a bad guy, and then the bad guy's weapons sort of come alive and try to kill you, like like that right there. Just you know, give it an extra mark for that alone. Uh, I, I do recommend if you like Half-Life games, uh, I have no doubt that this will be one that you will also enjoy. Let's push another button. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. Ah. <coughs> is, is this real life? Internet intercourse. I like turtles. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Shitty Reboots. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, sort of an interesting one. Uh, I brought back a Critical Role episode 100, so I, I, I can guarantee people have reviewed Critical Role. Yes, definitely. Uh, I, I can guarantee I'm the only one who reviewed episode 1 to 16, and then 17 to 99, and now episode 100 by itself. Nobody is insane enough to review them in that structure. However, the only reason I wanted to do that was because after watching, um, uh, 99, uh, apparently like I somehow lucked out in that I only had to wait, like was it maybe a month before episode 100 was available just because, uh, due to COVID, uh, it looked like they had recorded up to episode 99 and then COVID hit and they couldn't really get together and record. If you're unfamiliar with Critical Role, it's a web series, question mark, podcast, question mark. It's a thing where uh, people play Dungeons and Dragons, professional voice actors. There you go. Anyways, uh, so when COVID hit, uh, they weren't able to all, you know, gather in a small room and play anymore. So they had to like set up a whole new studio, which I, I'm, I'm a little, well, not upset is the wrong, wrong word, but, um, sure. Let's just say I'm a little upset. They haven't yet shown what their new studio setup looks like. Like, uh, you could see it from, you know, watching an episode, but you can't actually tell how they went about doing it. Um, somehow they're all in the same room, but isolated. Um, whereas before you would have uh, one sort of shot of three of them sitting at one table and four of them at the other, and then the DM by himself. Um, now each of them has their own little screen. So it's almost as if, um, they have, you know, four little cubicles, maybe, maybe that's how they're doing it. Uh, or sorry, f not four, it'd be four, five, four, seven little cubicles, and then one for the DM as well. Um, Something I liked that they paid attention to as well in terms of uh, one camera per each person is the fact that when one of the players looks at one of the other players, you can tell that, so like if, uh, say, character, character A is looking at character B, they have the camera set up in such a way that uh, uh, his little frame will actually be looking at character B, whereas, you know, you, you could easily screw that up if you put them in the wrong order. It's like a, like a zoom call. I always wonder about a zoom call or, or similar things like that is everyone's, um, like a little, uh, a little bubble in the same spot for everyone else. Yeah. Curious. Anyways. Uh, so 
the technical stuff they got out of the way seemingly the only thing they couldn't do which was like right at the end uh, sometimes matt mercer the dm will um on a very high insight check role for example will whisper something to one of the characters however with social distancing you can't really go over and whisper in someone's ear uh anymore so uh they hadn't either hadn't taken that into consideration which that's kind of what it felt like or uh haven't come up with anything yet um I, i feel like what they'll probably do is maybe just text text each other that's one way to do it uh probably the simplest way to do it um, he would have to type them up. That's kind of a pain. It would slow things down a bit. Uh, anyways, despite that one little hiccup that you could, you could almost tell it was like right at the end. And, uh, when he said, Oh, I can't, uh, I guess we can't do this anymore. That was the only sign throughout that things were a little different. And you could tell everyone felt maybe like a, a little down about it, which, uh, you know, uh, it, it made it feel more human. Yeah. Let's say that way. Uh, the episode itself, uh, was like three months between episodes. Apparently I got lucky and that only had to wait a month. Just sort of coincidentally, my watching from the beginning, uh, ended with a month. <laughs> sort of strange. Uh, so new setup, very cool. Uh, and including considering I actually wrote some notes here. Wow. That's unlike me. Uh, including considering where people are looking. Yeah. No whispers. I mentioned it was good, funny, little manic. Oh yeah. That's uh they hadn't played in three months. Uh, and something I loved of this episode and why I brought it back to talk about it was, uh, you could tell that they had missed it and that they were a little, little hyper, little manic about it. Uh, in, in a good way, like, uh, just people who hadn't seen each other in a long time doing something they love doing that hadn't been able to do are now doing it and are like excited about it. Like genuine excitement pouring through, um, little man, you could tell they had missed it. Felt good. New schedule in terms of watching it. Like, oh yeah. So now that I'm all cut up, I used to, you know, watch sometimes two episodes a day or, you know, one a day, but now I'm only going to have one a week. So, uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that a little bit. Like part of my week, each week will be watching this episode, this, uh, you know, three, four hour episode, um, in just a sort of lazing in bed and watching it and really letting it sink in, uh, felt good. Uh, also they fought a dragon turtle and there were some werebears. So, you know, that's good. Okay. Uh, moving on to, uh, reboot colon the guardian code season one and two which i think might be the whole series from the looks of it okay so uh let me preface this by saying uh reboot the original uh, canadian made actually series um was was just sort of an incredible feat of television on many levels uh not least of which was it was a well written well acted uh funny sad uh, really just don't let the visuals, if, if they sort of put you off, it was the first, uh, sort of computer animated program, uh, ever. Um, so that might throw people off, but, uh, don't let that sort of sway you one way or another. It's just a good show. So I had heard they were going to do a, uh, a reboot of that show, a reboot of a reboot. Um, and I also heard they were going to introduce a sort of live action, 
uh, to it. And uh, like many, I thought, huh, that's probably not a good idea. Uh, what I learned also is that they didn't get like the original people, apparently, uh, from the original show sort of involved. So, you know, that's another sort of knock against. And uh, I decided I was going to watch it anyways, just because I had such love for the original. And after watching it, I'll say I didn't hate it. <laughs> a ringing endorsement. Put it on the box. Yeah, uh, I think, like, I don't know how much of my liking it. Yeah, you know what? I, I'll go ahead and say uh, how much my liking it. And this is why I'm a shitty reviewer of things, uh, because I tend to just like everything. Um has to do with nostalgia like uh, uh probably you know like 90 percent of my liking of this thing is just nostalgia factor alone and the fact that uh we got to see not enough of uh we got to see bob and dot and enzo and uh, uh one of the main villains is megabyte and they even got a, a sound alike uh actor to replace uh tony j who uh passed away some years ago um, he was Tony J, uh, an actor, a voice actor in particular, who you will no doubt recall. Oh, what was he? Uh, Sheer Khan. Wasn't he Sheer Khan? He, he's, he's been a lot of Disney stuff. He was the original voice of Megabyte who to this day, I think is maybe one of the best just villains ever. Just really incredible. Uh, evil to the core uh, with the odd glimpse of something else. Like it had a depth that uh, some baddies don't, especially in, uh, you know, quote-unquote cartoons. Uh, you get Hexadecimal in there. Um, so some definite nods to uh, the the previous iteration. Nods was about all we got, though. Um, and, and those were my favorite parts by far. Anything that involved uh, uh, stuff from the, the previous incarnation were, were the parts I gravitated towards definitely by far. Uh, the, the, the live action parts, pretty bad. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty, bit, pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Um, the, I, I don't say, but another reason I'm a shitty reviewer is that I don't like saying mean things of people. Uh, but the, the, the actors, the, 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 the kids who played, uh, yeah, I guess I should say. So b basically it's like, um, four high school students. Uh, pulled into this world where suddenly they're the only thing protecting the internet from uh, an evil hacker. Uh, protecting the internet by uh, this machine that allows them to physically travel into the internet, into the internet wires, which is sort of a, a virtual representation of the internet, I think is probably a more accurate way to think about it. Which is kind of like the old show. The old show kind of took place inside a computer, uh, and it was like a visual uh, representation of what it was like to live in a computer. It was very strange, very sort of heady and uh, uh, surreal sometimes, and beautiful, beautiful, especially in later seasons. Uh, and I feel like this is missing some of that as well. Like, somehow, some way, the visuals of this uh, were not as good as they were in the original series and it's been you know however many years lots you'd think there'd be some improvement i think the fact is that uh just didn't have the time or maybe the resources in order to put the polish on that they were able to in the uh, original series or the love yeah it you know what as dumb as that sounds it feels like maybe this just 
the show just didn't have the love uh, uh, thrown into it. It was missing that special ingredient. Uh, that being said, I didn't mind it. Uh, rating, like, I go a solid 3, and uh, if you're unfamiliar with my rating scale, 3 is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Uh, I will say it did make me want to rewatch a reboot again, which uh, maybe I'll do uh, one of these days, and we'll talk about it here, because that is how this show works, or doesn't work, depending on how you look at it. Like this episode, that was a bad one. Uh, folks, we did it, I suppose. It's nice. To be nice. Let's get to 32 minutes here. To the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory I've got a theory that it's a demon a dancing demon something isn't right there I've got a theory the best is yet to come and babe won't it be fine you think you've seen the sun but you ain't seen it shine Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper